One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for the award-winning seating, They always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to the Progressive Britain podcast. This is the podcast with the unpopular belief that progressive centre-left politics has a lot to offer the modern world. Over the last month, the news has been dominated by stories about anti-Semitism within the Labour Party. Whether it's Holocaust-denying Labour Council candidates, anti-Semitic statements in pro-Labour Facebook groups, or Luciana Berger calling out Jeremy Corbyn for seeming to have sided with the so-called artist of an anti-Semitic mural over local Jewish community and anti-racist campaigners calling for that mural's removal, an incident that took place in 2012. Hundreds of the British Jewish community, thousands of people in total, attended a protest in Parliament Square called for by the mainstream British Jewish community, asking Jeremy Corbyn to listen to their concerns and saying simply, enough is enough. I'm Richard Angel, Director of Progress, and I'm joined by Stephanie Lloyd, Deputy Director of Progress, an actor, spoken word artist and campaigner Marlon Solomon. Marlon's been touring the country with his one-man show, Conspiracy Theory, A Lizard's Tale. It's great to be joined by Marlon Solomon. Marlon is a Jew. That didn't bother him much until he realised that some of the people that he knew didn't believe that the Holocaust happened whether it's the 9-11 travesty, shape-shifting livers, or Holocaust denial, his tour that he's been taking around the country in his one-man show is a darkly comic tale of one man's journey through the conspiracy theory underworld. He examines those conspiracy theories, why they're more popular than ever, and how fake news is giving them fresh currency in the current world. I've actually seen the show three times, so I'm really pleased to have Marlon with us. I am personally a big fan. We're really pleased to exclusively reveal that his show will be at Progress Annual Conference on the 5th of May. More about how you can get your tickets later in this episode. Marlon, it's interesting you start your show by talking about how you're kind of Jew-ish at the beginning. How is this process developed your relationship with your own Jewish identity? Well, I've always felt very Jewish. My family are Jewish, all of them. I Yiddish is spoken at home. I went to a Jewish primary school, but I don't practice the religion. I fell out with God when I was very young. We don't get on. And I went to a non-Jewish comprehensive school. I didn't have very much to do with the community, stayed out of the politics of the Middle East, don't have any Jewish friends. So that was it, really, just cultural, home life. And then a couple of years ago, my Facebook feed just exploded with anti-Semitism. 
because I live in the non-Jewish left-wing world in Charlton in Manchester, so I'd never seen anti-Semitism before. And it's pretty much two years ago, almost to the day, it was the it was the post-Livingston Hitlergate, and you know some newly politicised people in, who joined the Labour Party started posting uh, stuff which I considered pretty dodgy. Um, substantiating that Hitler supported Zionism, blah, blah. And then it developed into other conspiracy theories starring the Zionists. Until like a couple of months later, I was watching stuff. I was watching people blaming the Nice terror attacks on the Jews or the Zionists. I was like, what on earth is this? So I, you know, I started feeling very Jewish and I needed to understand where this was coming from. So my show tells that story of me rediscovering my Jewishness, I suppose, through researching anti-Semitism and its relationship to conspiracy theories. So your show focuses heavily on this conspiracy theory underworld. And some people listening might remember David Icke, the former Coventry City footballer who went on Terry Wogan's show, I think in 1991, yes. where he said he was the son of the Godhead. I believe yes. that's right. And everyone laughed at the time, but they're not laughing now. He sells books galore, he's Famous in America, I think it's the second best known conspiracy theorist in the world and is able to sell out massive thousand seat stadiums, multiple thousand seat stadiums. But this was all happening in your backyard. Tell us about how you kind of stumbled across this and, and the world where, where your world and David Icke's crosses over. Me and David. Yeah, uh, I was researching conspiracy theories. I noticed that David Icke was playing at the Apollo in Manchester, it's my favourite venue, it's a couple of miles away from my house, and I thought, well, I'll go and watch, see what his shtick is, he's the lizard bloke, and so I watched um, some stuff on YouTube, and it was terrifying. This guy believes, he promotes anyway, the Protocols of the Elders of Zion, which is a fabricated document purporting to be the secret minutes of a meeting between all the top Jews in the world, who were discussing the trivial matter of their secret plan to take over the world. Uh, this was concocted and published in Russia in 1903. It really took off after World War I. It was used to as an excuse to persecute Jews in the pogroms. My family came here from the pogroms from Russia in around about that time. And it was it's known as being Hitler's warrant for genocide. What was interesting about David Icke was the way that he was, you know, there's a video on YouTube of him telling people to read it. It's important and stuff. And he has filtered it through modern anti-Zionism, through anti-Israel politics. And you have this marriage of old classic European anti-Semitism fused with modern anti-Zionism. And that is contemporary anti-Semitism. And it's very, very attractive to young right-on people who don't really know where these ideas are coming from. And it just, to them, looks like ordinary, hardline, anti-Israel politics. And I, I thought it was terrifying. And what I noticed was that no one was really talking about this. This guy sells out arenas to thousands of people, millions of people watch his videos. And if somebody like Nick Griffin from the BNP was doing this at the Apollo, there'd be thousands of anti-racists protesting. So there was none. And so I thought, well... I'm gonna, well, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna write about this and talk about this because it's. I think it's quite serious. And you wrote a brilliant blog post that kind yeah. of broke down the it's, what, what was happening with David Icke and its crossover into parts of what was the Labour left, basically. There, um, were, there are little crossovers. Yeah, there are. 
Well, David Icke was huge in the Occupy movement. From what I've got, I've been contacted by people. My blog post, it was called, I don't really write. It's not that, thanks, it's not that good. It was called Forget the Lizards. David Icke is dangerous. We should take him seriously. But it yeah. was a kind of rally call for, if, you're, if you are an anti-racist, there is somebody here who is, you know, disseminating this Protocols of the Elder of Zion, which is this, you know, vile, fabricated account, as you just said. He certainly passports on the views of Holocaust deniers and gives those a platform into the world which is pretty dangerous and has this concept of the kind of Rothschild Zionist which yes. seems to me to be exactly the same kind of anti-semitism that you are seeing in Hungary right now that you saw in Nazi Germany in the 30s that it is persistent and pervasive and it's happening in Manchester in London in big cities around the country and it's thousands of people and it's a radio station by your house isn't it yeah he sponsors a radio station near my house called The Richie Allen Show, which has placed host to all sorts of conspiracy guests six times a week. And I started listening to that as well. And I mean, this this radio station, I consider it to be pretty anti-Semitic because it marked Holocaust Memorial Day by inviting someone on to say that it didn't happen. And what was alarming to me was that lefties were going on there, people who considered themselves anti-racist. Even people in the Labour Party go on there to talk about how anti-Semitism is being made up to smear the left. And they're doing it on a radio station that openly broadcasts Holocaust denial. And we're seeing that world. You've got, you do have conspiracism, which bridges the gap between the far left and the far right. But David Icke's output, because of the explicit anti-Zionism, does tip it into kind of more left-wing. I've heard it described as alternative left. David Icke himself was a spokesman for the Green Party years ago. He got booted out. Um, Good on them. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, 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 it's very, very concerning to me how this kind of awful anti-Semitism can be lapped up by people on the left. So he was huge in the Occupy movement, um, very popular and... You know, parts of the Occupy movement have in the last couple of years come into the Labour Party. It's part of its anti-Semitism problem. There is a there is a linkage here. I think that's the interesting thing, though, isn't it, when it comes to anti-Semitism on the left and that very specific type of anti-Semitism that you find on the left that can, as you say, be very different than you would find on the kind of hard right. And I think one of the interesting things about that in terms of the left's kind of analysis and where they come from in terms of their view on things is that there's kind of this job to challenge power when you're on the left. You challenge power in the ways that you see it because you see it about, you know, people having too much and people having too little and your job is to look out for those that don't have it and try and redistribute it. But if therefore, if you believe and prescribe then to the tropes that you hear about Jewish people being powerful and the conspiracy theory that goes in the, the protocols of the elders of Zion and, and how they're controlling the world then it doesn't subscribe me that you prescribe that those people prescribe to those views in the sense that that's where that kind of specific left-wing part of it comes from. And, and I think when like, as you say, when you look on the Facebook pages of lots of this stuff now, when you look on the hard left Facebook pages and how that works, it's not necessarily just anti-Israel. Like lots of this is, as was the mural, bankers and Rothschilds, and it is all old protocols. Like it's bringing all of that stuff back up. The guy that- to repackage it, yeah. The guy that created that mural- uh, promotes David Icke's Rothschild Zionist video. Mm. That's part of his inspiration. He went on, I think he he met him again recently. It's all part of that scene. And it does, I mean, just the two words, Rothschild Zionism, there you have the old distorted critique of capitalism with the Rothschilds and Zionism. 
you know, modern, a mod, uh, the, merging it with anti-Zionist tracks. And it's, it's all in the, um, in the Middle Eastern area, in the countries that surround Israel who, you know, as far as I'm concerned, have a genuine gripe with Israel. I think if I lived in Lebanon you know, or Syria and there's Palestinian refugee camps, I wouldn't like Israel very much either. But their governments have TV series based on the protocols, but fused with anti-Zionism. So it's rather than the Jews taking over the world, it's like Israel's going to invade all our countries and they're going to take us all over. And it's, it, this is what, in my opinion, is this is what David Icke and how it's f- being fused back into European culture. So with an anti-Zionist slant, this is why it's quite seductive to lefties. So one of the things that Alison McGovern, the wonderful chair of Progress and MP for Wirral South, says is that when you're debating a fool, the audience can often not tell the difference between the two of you anymore. And it feels a little bit like this. We've got into this kind of world of conspiracy theories and you know, do, are we now part of the problem by doing it? But yet it seems that We're coming back to this book that was fabricated in 1903 in Russia. Is the protocol of the old design still relevant? Is is this actually the thing that is pervading through modern-day anti-Semitism? Absolutely. It couldn't possibly be more relevant. And it has different incantations, some of them more subtle. I mean, let's take a modern example. If I can use one from things that have happened in the last couple of weeks in Mm. our party. So Birkenhead CLP... The minutes were published and they were refusing diversity training with the Jewish labor movement because of their, and I quote, possible links to ISIS and the Israeli government. You know, and, and people really that believe is that. Isn't it? What you can't say on a podcast just, is me just holding my head in my hands. <laughs> but but I, well, I mean, when I got showed that, I was like, so somebody thought that that was okay to say in a Labour Party meeting. Mm. Then somebody went home and wrote that down. And then somebody thought that was okay it. to email yep. to all of their Labour Party members. And nobody brought it to light for three weeks. Mm-hmm. But if you study, I mean, I find it. I know. It's, it's incredible. But So why is that linked to the Protocols of the Elder Design? Everything that goes wrong in the world, everything that's bad in the world is blamed on the Jew, traditionally. Um, that's what anti-Semitism is. And if you blame everything that's bad in the world on the Zionists or even Israel, and it's not just held accountable for what's happening in and just outside of its borders in the occupation and to the plight of the Palestinians, but if it's if it's projected so that Israel is responsible for ISIS, for global terrorism, for global wars, that's just a rehash of old anti-Semitism, but with the word changed for either Zionism or Israel. Any Jew who is not an anti-Zionist is held accountable, not just for the not just for what's going on in Israel, but for things like terrorist attacks and ISIS. So you this is just the protocols. And there's all sorts of propaganda from various parts of new left media to back this up, to say that this is, you know, that 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 people like the Jewish labor movement have this malevolent power and our you know our fronts for the israeli government and stuff has one full-time member of staff it's ridiculous so you've been going around the country doing this tour how's it been received and what's been the kind of feedback from having done it i've never really done anything like this before i'm i've been a bit of a theater actor and then i thought i've got a story to tell it so i'm going to tell it and yeah it went down well in edinburgh i was in a really small venue but people you know i think um a friend of mine, Dave, said, you kind of hit the zeitgeist with this. And it was because that's what had come into my life. It is part of what's going on at the moment. So, yeah, it, it's gone down well. What was what I didn't expect to happen was to be invited to the Jewish Labour Movement Conference. And then I was invited 
to the Labour conference by yourself, bless you, um, to do it. And and then I did it in Parliament a few weeks ago. It was bizarre. I had no idea that, you know, this was going to be um, something that would be useful to people in politics. Um, so, Steph, you saw it for the first time in Parliament just a few weeks ago. What did you take from it? The thing I really took from it, I think, is your ability to explain what can be very complex issues, but also make you understand just how simple some of this stuff is as well. Um, so, you know, for me, I thought it was it, firstly hilarious, which is always fun when you're looking oh. at deeply depressing subjects, which, you know, being a member of the Labour Party can be deeply depressing over the last few weeks when you look at what's been happening and the defence that people have been running to of this. So, yeah, for me, I just, I thought, you know, it was it was so, it breaks down what can be a very difficult issue when you have no real broader understanding of it or you're not used to you know being in and around the Jewish community and, and anti-semitism and how that works I think it just it does make it very easy to digest but also understand some of the complexities and the underlying issues so I'm going to bring this section to an end now if you want to hear more from Marlon and hear his show and see it live you can get your tickets at Progress Annual Conference listeners to this podcast can get it for a reduced rate by going to prog.rs forward slash pack pac 18pod pod so that's prog.rs forward slash pack 18 pod and you or by calling the progress office on 020 3435 9854 and say that you have been listening to the podcast and want to see Marlon's excellent show it's that time of the year your vacation is coming up you can already hear the beach waves feel the warm breeze relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi, I'm June Sarpong, and if you like the Progressive Britain podcast, then we ask you to subscribe, rate, or review it on iTunes, because that's how we reach a larger audience. And that's what progressive politics is all about. Today, Parliament is debating the issue of anti-Semitism in a motion in the main chamber of the House of Commons. It's being done partly to address the very real issue of anti-Semitism that exists in our society, and by its very nature will pervade all kinds of institutions, not least political parties. Secondly, I think there's probably some pressure being put on the Labour Party, maybe some mischief-making from the Tories. We don't do our politics in a vacuum, and there's many people who want to play up this element that other people are somehow 
contorting the debate to try and make it worse for Labour. But I think the real issue here is that there is an issue that comes up time and again, whether it's been these Holocaust-denying Labour Council candidates, the minutes that we talked about earlier from that meeting up in Birkenhead, Ken Livingstone constantly going around the TV studios offending Jewish people and seemingly making a career of it. So this is an opportunity for Labour MPs to show leadership on the issue and show they are tackling the issue from within. Just a couple of years ago, the Tories ran a disgusting campaign against Sadiq Khan uh, that was Islamophobic in nature. And what was not just right for us to call them out and say it was wrong, but the important bit was when the likes of Saida Varsi took on her own party and said this is an unacceptable campaign and tried to deal with the problems in the Tory party. If it's for Tories to sort out their own party, it is for Labour people to sort out our party. I think that's one of the things that we are committed to doing as part of this. So I suppose the first question, I'm going to put this to you, Marlon, is, is anti-Semitism being weaponized? <sighs> My favourite question. Yeah. Um, well, look, try and break this down. People who bang on about anti-Semitism being weaponized to smear the left more than they bang on about the actual anti-Semitism are basically, as far as I'm concerned, saying to Victim me, you're playing the race card, mate. Yeah, you're playing the race card. Look, does somebody like Guido Fawkes really care about anti-Semitism? I don't think so. And of course, I mean, your political opponents will sometimes, as you say, do, do mischief making with it. But what you notice is a culture of people who are just talking about anti-Semitism being weaponized and actually don't care about the anti-Semitism, disregard it. And that's not right. And I, I really, this word weaponized, it, it, it grates on me a bit because to me it does sound like, hey, you know, you're playing the race card. And to me, if you don't want your political opponents to weaponize anti-Semitism, just stop giving yeah. them a bloody weapon. And when it does rear really its ugly head, deal with it in the strongest possible terms and stop pretending that somehow it's never going to happen and leave it in a normal way. Steph? But it's, but it's, yeah, so it's that, the thing that has literally baffled me but also not surprised me in lots of senses over the past couple of weeks is there are parts of the party and it is only parts of the party that cannot help but see literally everything through the prism of is this pro or anti Jeremy Corbyn and I'm like I don't really care like I don't care who yeah. the leader of the Labour Party is when it comes to anti-semitism like deal with it acknowledge it's happening and also like there is no way of denying that there has been a rise in anti-Semitism in the Labour Party since Jeremy Corbyn has taken over. It is his responsibility as the leader of the Labour Party to deal with that, distance himself from it and say, this is not in my name. Like, you cannot do this for me. Um, and this is not what I want you to do. And I think it is that part where people just go, like, you say anything and they're like, you're just doing this because you hate Jeremy Corbyn. I'm like, I'm not doing this because I hate Jeremy Corbyn. I'm doing this because oh. I hate anti-Semitism. And it's just, it just, yeah. Great on me is an unbelievable. I've dished, uh, I've seen it dished out to you, Richard, so many times on Twitter, and it, it really gets on my nerves. I mean, you know, I know you really care about this. You know, you've put my show on, and you've been to see it, and you've promoted it, and you know, you're not doing that for political gain. There's nothing in my show about anti-Semitism, and it, to think that how many people really believe that um, moderate Labour MPs don't care about anti-Semitism. It, it actually upsets me. People do really care about it right across the party, but there is so much of any complaint of anti-Semitism being tainted by, well, what position are you in in the party? Do Am I going to take this seriously? People in the, I, I call it the pro-Corbyn commentariat, that's why they couldn't give any unconditional solidarity with the Jewish people who demonstrated in Parliament and said enough is enough because... 
uh, you know, most people there are mm. critics of Jeremy Corbyn, and that. So it was it was impossible to actually show any solidarity, and not even with caveats, which. Um, I, I think that think is problematic. problematic. One of the things that I keep reading, which is very really frustrating, is saying, stop trying to suggest that Anderson started when Jeremy Corbyn became leader of the Labour Party. It's like, nobody is doing that. Yeah. But there has been a growing issue of anti-Semitism on the left for, what, 20 years now. This has been a kind of thing that has started to come through. And one of the, somebody actually, uh, a progress member, sent me uh, a picture of an article in Progress magazine in twenty in two thousand and four by our former deputy director uh, Jennifer Gerber called Swastika Sheik, and in it she highlights some of the growing anti-Semitism on the hard, hard left uh, and the fringes of the Labour Party. In particular, pinpointing those around the Stop the War Coalition. Mm-hmm. This was at a time in which, and this is an organisation Jeremy Corbyn went on to chair, and of course has inspired many of the people in the Stop the War Coalition to follow him into the Labour Party, having become leader. So these issues are linked, and the issue of Anton has been magnified, and Steph is right about calling this out. And Jeremy Corbyn is quite good at putting out statements now on it. He used to struggle to say anti-Semitism without saying Islamophobia, Islamophobia and all forms of racism. We must, say, we must say all of the things together. Nothing yeah. can happen in isolation. And, and he's moved on from that, to be fair mm-hmm. to him. But what he now won't do is he'll say Anson's bad generally, but he won't say, oi, you, that's anti-Semitic and that's not okay. And I thought this was brought to light when they were launching the Chakrabarti report. Mm-hmm. I was sitting in front of Ruth Smith and a activist you know, stood up and asked a question at the event and accused a Jewish MP, Ruth Smith, of colluding with the right-wing media. A traditional anti-Semitic trope. It's one of the chapters or the protocols in, in the kind of Elder Zion is that the Jews control the media and collude in a sinister way to uh, get, them, you know. And that was said in front of the leadership and somebody who had been doing a report on anti-Semitism. So it just is very frustrating. This hasn't come about necessarily because of Jeremy Corbyn. It didn't start with Jeremy Corbyn. But there is now a danger that he has invited in some people that are anti-Semitic, and the absence of being saying, oi, you, no, mm. looks like an endorsement for some of these people, which I think is really worrying. So I suppose it's then important to ask, is this politically motivated? What, are we having this conversation? You know, are, are the Board of Deputies politically motivated by that rally? Are we only raising this because we have traditionally been critics of Jeremy Corbyn? No. Like, this is a real issue, and this is one of the things... like. I disagree with Jeremy Corbyn on some probably sizable, reasonably sizable parts of his policy. But this is this is a real problem. And tackling racism in all of its forms is meant to be fundamental to progressive politics. Like it's within the kind of DNA of our politics and what we do and why we got involved in the Labour Party. But it is like there is this internalised view on parts of the left that Jewish people aren't a marginalised group within society. Therefore... It's not a real form of racism. And it's just, it is buying into, as we say, all of those protocols and that that kind of old view, that old world view of Jews being in power, therefore not at any point oppressed. I think you've really hit on something there. There's a real danger in this debate that there's a group of people on the left who don't think that Jews are or can be poor, are or can be weak, are or can be the victim, are or can be... Checked all three of them. Are or can be the underdog. And Mm -hmm. we are for... The poor, the weak, the dispossessed, the underdog, the, mm. the fighter. And 
it's really quite worrying because that is a form of essentially neo-Nazi anti-Semitism that the Jews are therefore the opposite of that. They are this rich, powerful mm. banking elite uh, that control the media, etc. So it is that very much internalised, which I think is very worrying about some of this stuff. And I, mm. I fear it is why some people are able to dismiss it in some way. So let's try and get to the nub of this. How mm. is anti-Semitism manifesting itself in the Labour Party and on the left? Marlon, what, what have you kind of seen and witnessed? conspiracy theory like we discussed before lots of conspiracy theories about the zionists and you know focusing around israel a ubiquitous use on labor forums of the nazi metaphor with israel and or zionism which i think is just absolutely disgusting i mean 93 percent of british jews say that their identity is wrapped up with israel but within those 93 percent, you know there are so many stern critics of Israel. But if you start comparing Israelis or Zionists to Nazis, you indict us all. John made a very similar you know, point on Navarra media recently. They tried to do a special issue on anti-Semitism, which I, I, I thought was very well done and very thoughtful. I didn't agree with all of it. and But it was, it was really, I think, welcomed by everybody how frank John was and what he said. And that was one of the things that he said is that the use of Zionism is very unhelpful because it lumps together everyone from kind of Bundists and communist Zionists on one end through to what is a kind of quite unpleasant Israeli right settlers and whatever, as if they're one homogenous group. And that's not true. But what he does say is that British Jewry overwhelmingly, and even British Jewry in the Labour Party, associate with Israel. And therefore, if you have an environment that is so anti, even the concept of the state is creation, let alone, I mean, we all hate a right-wing government, right? Whatever country it's in, and Israel happens to have one at the moment. But you know, if, if it's just a hostile environment, that is going to be a ho- to, to Israel in its very nature, that is going to be a hostile environment to Jews. Absolutely it is. And it's, yeah, it's, it's a really worrying culture for Jewish people. And I think that people really haven't, people don't really know what a profound effect that Labour's anti-Semitism issue has had on the Jewish community. All of this has been lost with political mm-hmm. fighting. I mean, I'd never considered myself a Zionist, ever, when this started two years ago. But when I found myself trying to oppose the Nazi metaphor, say, hang on a minute, you can't say that about th- that conspiracy theory about the Zionist being responsible for the Nice terror attacks. It, you know, I found myself being constructed as a Zionist by racists, by anti-Semites who identify on the left, because the only reason why I would object to the Nazi metaphor is because I'm some kind of apologist for all the real and imagined crimes of the Israeli government. So it's the it's this construction of this arch Zionist. And there are many Jewish people that I've connected with over the last year or two online, because I didn't know that many Jews a couple of years ago, and there were lots of Jewish people who were saying to me, yeah, I wasn't really. Israel was never part of my life. I wasn't really a Zionist, but unfortunately, I've had to kind of get into this now because I'm seeing some awful things. And what's been lost is that there were people at that demonstration. You know, there were were Jewish politicians, MPs and councillors. There was members of the Labour Party. There was Mm. ex-members of the Labour Party who were Jews who left because of anti-Semitism. And something that we have not talked about yet, there were ordinary Jewish people, ordinary Jewish men and women. Some of them are still, you know, not many, few of them are still working class. You know, my uncle's a taxi driver whose lives have been profoundly affected by left-wing anti-semitism so you know i hear stories of my you know i heard well i went for dinner with one guy he was telling me that um yeah a couple of years ago when this all started same story as me social media kind of 
started seeing stuff that was like, it's a bit dodgy. Uh, anyway, his friend set up this WhatsApp group. He's, you know, his best mates because he didn't support Jeremy Corbyn and he was complaining about anti-Semitism. And a few, a few weeks went on and they ended up sitting him down and going, look, do you know, actually know you're really from the Khazar region anyway and this anti-Semitism thing is a load of rubbish. And that guy has lost his whole friendship group. He's been isolated and alienated from his friendship group. He was at that demonstration, as was a guy I know in Manchester. I don't think he actually came, but yeah, he, you know, he complained about a guy sharing Holocaust denial stuff at work. His boss took the side of the guy sharing the Holocaust denial material. He ended up leaving his job. Those two people identify on the left. He went home, looked at their Facebook page and saw pictures of Jeremy Corbyn. What would you think? This is not loads of my best friends. Some of my best mates are Jeremy Corbyn supporters and they've been really, really supportive of me throughout this whole thing. And I'm not demonizing this political movement, but it does have a problem. And what we have seen is that, you know, it, it, the board of deputies and the Jewish leadership council were reflecting the feeling in the community that this is really, really hurting us. And so when we did go to Parliament Square and a couple of DUP people and a couple of Tories turned up, we've been demonised by the whole pro-Corbyn commentary. People on Twitter with hundreds of thousands of followers, very, very famous people who, said, who are now saying, yes, we've got a problem with anti-Semitism and we're going to sort it out. But they couldn't offer one ounce of solidarity with the, Jew the ordinary Jewish people who turned up at that protest. And I think we've still, we've made some progress. The statement from Momentum was fantastic, but we've still got a long way so to go. So what else have we seen across the party, Steph, of ways this has manifested itself. We've so mentioned think, the Birkenhead example. Yeah, so obviously we've, we had uh, what happened in Peterborough um, with regards to the uh, councillor who was selected, um, who had previously put out, um, uh, was accused of putting out Holocaust-denying statements and posts on Facebook, and the party was so unbelievably slow at so he, dealing remember, with that. So he posted this in June in yeah. a in a Facebook group that he says is private, but had two thousand people in it called Peterborough Politics. It was then complained about in July. Nothing happened. He became a selected candidate in October. Another complaint goes in. Nothing happens. He then gets ratified in November with the lead, leader of the Labour group present and the posts on Holocaust denial and some quite offensive things about David Miliband and Rothschild presented to them and they accept him as a candidate. He then goes as an observer to the council meeting and two members of the Labour group wore Labour councillors against anti-Semitism t-shirts to call him out. Nothing happens. He then starts campaigning as a council candidate and they were like, we've had enough. We're putting this... All, all, this is all the stuff he's been accused of. This is what he said, which is putting on the internet because people have to know mm -hmm. that Labour has basically been okay with this. The Jewish Chronicle pick it up, the next day he's suspended. Yeah. And it's like, the people who are trying to say this is somehow weaponized or politically motivated, or, uh, it's like, not, it's the when it becomes only a way political... to get it an issue is mm. to embarrass the Labour Party. But it's also and that's a really, that's, that is a damning, mm. a damning reality of this stuff is that until it reaches the JC, it's not really a problem. Mm. And, you know, Joe Goldberg and Natan Doran, who are councillors in Haringey, yeah. they revealed the kind of anti-Semitism they've got, that somebody's been allowed to be a Labour council candidate and I believe has submitted their papers and is still going through the process and uses the term Zio at people as a mm. term of abuse, which Jeremy Corbyn has said is a racist epithet, the equivalent of using the N-word or the P-word. Mm. Yeah.
Yeah, I think that guy, if it's the one I think you're referring to, I don't think he uses it himself, but he defends the right of other people to use it by saying it's not anti-Semitic. I think that might be it, mm. or it might be... Yeah. We're splitting hairs now. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah. Thanks. I'll take it. I'll, ta- I'll, ta- yeah, exactly. I'll take that small I think crumb. The thing that I find interesting, though, that I'd be really interested to know what Marlon kind of has to say about this in the sense that like we hear, we've seen lots of the kind of big cases. So we've seen, you know, Ken Livingston. Yeah. I mean, Ken Loach. Can we just get rid of Ken's? I'm going to, I I am calling literally an amnesty on Ken. Just go, (laughs) never return. We don't want you anywhere near us. Um, But, you know, we see, you know, Ken Livingston touring the TV studios. Um, We see, you know, Holocaust denial. But we also know that that is not just the types of, like, it's not always the kind of, I would almost say like the more extreme sides of anti-Semitism that we see. There's also the kind of everyday tropes that people use and and things like that. And actually we were talking about this, Richard, yesterday when we were getting ready for the podcast. And we were saying, if if you see an election leaflet and someone is running against a gay candidate, for example, and you see someone go, just a really good family man. I've just got a normal family. Homophobe. Like, but that's what you think. Like, yeah. it is, it's one of those things where Because they're think, trying to say something without using the words that mm, gays don't have normal families. The, the that's whistle, what they're saying. It's the dog whistle politics stuff, right? So I think the thing that I would be really in chat, and I actually think lots of our Which listeners Which the Tories got be, called out recently for that vile yeah. leaflet they put out in... But... Uh, oh. Far East London. Yeah, sort of. but I think Far, far East London. <laughs> well, it's even further east <laughs> than Redbridge. I that well-known place, Far East London. Yeah. But um, I would be really interested to know, Marlon, from your... Like, the kind of you know what is an anti-semitic trope like how does that work like what is the kind of stuff that we're seeing more of just i think so that our listeners can get a bit more of an understanding of you know not just the the extreme forms of anti-semitism but actually how that can manifest itself all day every day from lots of people sure jews in the corridors of power using their own malign influence to in this case you know prevent radical social change is all part of this you know controlling the media and it's it's classic anti-Semitism, which you'll see again and again in, but kind of in a often with the word Jew substituted for the word Zionist. So you'll you'll see phrases, hear phrases like Zionist-controlled media. That uh, you know that the, the Zionists are trying to somehow ruin everything that's good to prevent progress. Not you guys. <laughs> um, and then what I think is interesting is about what happens when anti-Semitism gets called out. Because I think that's what we're then seeing is, you mentioned it earlier, there's a sort of form of victim blaming. You know, people who went on the, the rally, uh, how we've all been lumped in as if we're somehow DUP supporters. There's yes. this kind of view. You're either, a, uh, you're either a socialist with Jeremy Corbyn, a evil centrist that enables fascism, or you're a fascist. These are the kind of the worldview of some of these people. And you're either one of those three. And we've been lumped in with... Uh, the DUP and some very unpleasant people. And it is remarkable. The people in Peterborough that we talked about, Mm. they've been pulled before the Labour group to be potentially disciplined by their council colleagues. And their CLP tried to debate various motions calling for them to be kicked out for bullying on social media. Literally. For republishing what this horrid man has published. And we're seeing this going on and on in other places. People focus more on the person who calls out anti-Semitism than they do on... You know, people were calling for John Mann to be kicked out for calling out Ken Livingston and not Ken Livingston to be kicked out for sure. Ken Loach, saying that... Ken Loach last week when he was like, every single MP that attended that rally should be deselected. And it's like, what are you even talking about? Like Jess Phillips was... Oh, Jess Phillips absolutely I mean, owned him. 
She totally That was amazing. It. it was beautiful. It's always, I mean, when Jess Phillips takes to Twitter, it's always a good day. Yeah, she said yesterday on Twitter, uh, the left needs better Kens. <laughs> yes, I, I agree. I agree. We officially endorse that statement we on this do. podcast. Yeah, and uh, and just to say, I'll tell you what, sir, what, what's really upset Stu's as well. It's just that we're lying about this. Mm. That we're lying to subvert criticism of Israel for our own malicious purposes. This is becoming kind of the the new trope. I mean, it's been named by David Hirsch, the Livingston Formation, which is... What does that mean for people who've not heard that before? So the Livingston... I'm going to get this so wrong. Sorry, David. Um, The Livingston Formation, it came about when 2006. So Ken Livingston had... uh, He was approached by a journalist for The The Standard, Standard, Oliver Feingold, I think who asked him for a quote. He was at a party. He might have had a couple of wines. That and cannot he... be said. Outrageous. <laughs> yeah, it might have. There's a rumour. You know, and um, he just started ranting at the uh, the journal, saying that, you know, your, your paper supported fascism in the 30s and, you know, you're, you know, you're like a concentration camp guard or something, you know. And uh, he said, look, I'm just doing my job. And he said, you're like a concentration camp guard. He said, well, I'm actually, I'm Jewish. Do you mind? And... You know, rather than apologise or do anything, he, I think Livingston then doubled down on it and then walked off in a huff. Rather than the next day kind of reflect and kind of wake up with perhaps a bit of a headache and go, oh, perhaps I shouldn't have said that. I'll send him some flowers or some chocolates, a bottle of scotch. He writes a column in The Guardian to say that I am being, I get accused of anti-Semitism because I uh, am a passionate supporter of the Palestinian people. But what he'd said to the journo was nothing to do with Israel. And David Hirsch, who's a scholar of contemporary anti-Semitism, he's, he's written a book recently, Contemporary Left Anti-Semitism. It's brilliant, a sociological study of it. He, he'd started to see this mode of thought a lot. It's when an accusation of anti-Semitism is not, it, it's not just rebuffed as being not true. It's it's that the allegation, the accusation of anti-Semitism is being made in bad faith to subvert criticism of Israel. So it's um, it's a counter-accusation of bad faith on the part of the accuser. That's really pernicious, isn't it? That's not a nice... Yeah. I mean, I'll tell you what, um, Howard Jacobson wrote a wonderful piece the other day, a really, really good piece. And he he described how this feels for Jewish people. Oh, that was a brilliant piece. Yeah, it was. I was chatting to my housemate last night who's um, a Labour Party member and, you know, very proud of her Jewish faith and all the rest of it, but... And she was, she literally turned around and I said, we were doing this podcast and she was like, you need to read this. You have to read this article. Because she was like, it just gets exactly to the point of the emotional side of how it feels when this happens. Um, yeah, and people are allowed to feel emotional about racism. Yeah. There's this, for some reason... The Jews aren't allowed to feel rational, uh, emotional about it. They have no. to only be rational about these things. And I think yeah. that's a really... You wouldn't say that about any other Anything racism. No. no. I get really emotional about homophobia. Like, of course you do. Because it really hurts. Are you, are you gay? Well, <laughs> that, that's, that's not an important issue for this podcast. <laughs> I'll quote you Howard Jacobson, what he said the other day. He said, The incantatory repetition of the charge that Jews cry anti-Semitism only in order to subvert criticism of Israel or discredit Corbyn, it's more than fatuous and lazy. It's more than painful to those many Jews who own an old allegiance to the Labour Party and who are not strangers to criticising Israel. It's the deepest imaginable insult. I cannot speak for all Jews, but a profound depression has taken hold of those I know. Wow. And they're the people at Parliament Square. Yeah. 
and, and they're the people just should not be uh, dismissed. Now, I think we need to try and move on a bit. What can be done about Labour's anti-Semitism problem? What, 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 could, what actions could be taken? Because that was the main message yeah. of that rally. Enough is enough. We've had all the words, we have all the statements. It took four attempts to apologise for that vile mural uh, and defending it. So what could, we don't want any more words. The words are, what can be done? I think, yeah, well, let's get positive. I think there's been some progress. Uh, I thought Momentum Statement was excellent. I thought it was very, very good. And I think there's been some good noises from some of the pro Corbyn commentaria. Let's get this word wrong. Commentaria, you know, where there's been, they've done some podcasts that you mentioned before. I listened to Ajit Pod with David Schneider. It was great. There is progress being made, but we still have. Ajit Pod, just we should say, is Owen Jones and Ellie Mayo Hagen's podcast, which you can also get on all podcast channels. What we need to do, there's there's lots of things that we need to do. I mean, we've got the, that poll that the Times did a poll of 1,200 Labour members a couple of weeks ago while this whole thing was yeah. kicking off. It was Easter and, weekend, yeah. Yeah, and 30% didn't believe that anti-Semitism was a specific issue in the party. So that's what that's the hurdle. Let's say that that's some of those people can be convinced otherwise, but you've got three out of 10 people translate that into this political movement. You know, you're looking at about, what's my math like, 150,000 people. That's a lot who don't believe that it's a specific issue. So you go to the source of the problem. And for a lot of the stuff that I'm seeing written about this, what we're not talking about is the role, I'm afraid, that new left media has played in this and what propaganda that they are putting out. Because there is new left media has mostly a a blanket policy of anti-semitism denial of demonization of jewish people on the left who complain about anti-semitism to challenge the culture of denial without talking about that with you can't do it you've got this is why the board of deputies and the jewish leadership council a few days after the demonstration went no we want Actually, we want Jeremy Corbyn to say, to denounce those people who are saying that we're liars here. Because the the pro-Corbyn media, like Squawkbox, just really went for the demonstrators, really did. And it was quite hideous. They, they made, they sent all the MPs who'd attended and made them, well, tried to make them say what other minorities they'd stood up for. It was a really, I and mean, I'm not, not just Squawkbox, most of the blogs, it was a really, really vitriolic campaign. How do you get them to stop doing that? You can't, you know. And so we—that's something. Well, maybe that we the need people to who are senior in the Labour Party who feed these people some of their stories need to refrain from associating with some of this media. I mean, doesn't the editor of the Canary go on that David Icke-sponsored radio station, or has uh, done? Not for a couple of years, but has done. Yeah, the radio station that we discussed before. But let's, you know, the Canary. Here's a headline from the Canary from 2016: "The uncomfortable truths that make it perfectly acceptable to compare Israel to Nazi Germany." That is not okay. And that, and that is not okay, not just by our standards, but by the definition of Holocaust denial drawn up by the International Holocaust Remembrance Centre that was passed by the Labour Party NEC in a meeting that Jeremy Corbyn sat in. And the Chakrabarti report recommended that Labour reaffirm and adopt as its policy. Yeah, yeah and that, they, that, that... They, they point out that making those examples between Nazism and, and Israel is deeply offensive to Jews and anti-Semitic in nature. One of the other things that's that's very positive that's already happened in, you know, there are parts of the Labour movement that are already taking this very, very seriously. And actually one of those bits is Labour students. Mm. Um, 
obviously lots of this first came into light in terms of public consciousness in the media um, around Oxford and what happened at Oxford University um, and the kind of scandal that happened there. But, you know, you've seen... Specifically in the Labour Club. Specifically well. in the Labour Club, yeah. And you've seen Labour students over the past two, three years work tirelessly with JLM to literally tour Labour Clubs and university campuses and FE colleges across the country, training hundreds and hundreds of Labour activists on what is anti-Semitism, how to call it yeah. out and how to be better at it. So like, there are pockets of this that are already doing it really, really well. And I, I noticed know. the University of students had a really positive and really nice statement about Labour students and yep. the solidarity they had shown them yeah, yeah. and the fact that they had sought to mm. change their ways and that they thought that sunlight was the best disinfectant for this issue. Mm. Yeah, the Jewish labour movement have been completely left out of this conversation. So much of what I'm listening to and seeing of a lot of people who are now saying that we need to take this seriously, I'm not seeing the Jewish labour movement talked about. They, Their members give up their time travelling around the country doing com a, a session called Confronting Anti-Semitism yeah. and Engaging Jewish Voters, mm. teaching people about the history of the Jewish labour movement and to challenge anti-Semitism. And, you know, some poor sod from bloody JLM is going to have to go one day on their own or with the two of them to Birkenhead CLP to do that session. Um, and that person needs to be shown solidarity from across the party. What I would like to see, I'd like to see, I mean, look, I, I, my show is about teaching people about anti-Semitism really and contemporary anti-Semitism. I'd work with anyone from anywhere over the party. We need to come together on the issue of anti-Semitism. I've not, I think there's been some great noises made and some people who've really said some very strong words, but there is still a disconnect between the Jewish labor movement and the Jewish uh, groups who are big supporters of Jeremy Corbyn. There are, I mean, they, there are, they, they counter-demoed the Enough is Enough protest. Yeah, well, not all of them. Not all like, of them. The Jewish not Voice for Labour yeah. did. Um, but um, a very small. I'm group. talking about the kind of, if you don't mind me, I'm going to say the less extreme, um, radical left Jewish groups. One called J Voice, very confusing. This one called Judas. So they didn't counter them. No, not at all. But no. um, we need um, to come together on the issue of anti-Semitism. It doesn't matter what you know what part of the Labour Party you're from, what faction you're from, and there are there are Corbyn supporters in the Jewish Labour movement, Ria Wolfson's in the Jewish Labour movement, and Momentum. There are people in the Jewish Labour movement and Momentum, and there are two thousand five hundred people in the Jewish Labour movement. And these, if you want to rid your political movement of anti-Semitism, you're going to need the Jewish Labour movement, who have been at the coalface of experiencing and fighting anti-Semitism in the Labour Party and the wider left in the last couple of years. Ooh, so since the 20s when they were set up in the 1920s. They've been, I think they were set up before then, but they're affiliated, they're affiliated to the Labour Party in the 1920s. Yeah. And they really are a historic um, affiliate to uh, the, the Labour Party, an important part of it. And it, it, watching them be demonised has been pretty unpleasant. And one of the analogies I try to draw for people is that you know, when a majority of British jury support or feel some affinity with with Israel and you know JLM when it affiliated in 1920 was called uh, Polar Zion. Polar Zion. So the you know it, it it it's kind of left wing Zionism is is part of its identity and it's allowed to be in the same way that integral to the women's movement is being pro choice. But being pro choice is a controversial position and many people will have bigger moral objections to being pro choice. You wouldn't therefore allow a second affiliate to the Labour Party of the Labour 
anti-choice women's network to happen and to, to demonize their role in, in that happening. And you would accept that, that because this is a persistent view of the women's movement, that is their kind of collective and democratic view. But for some reason, Jews aren't allowed to come to a collective and democratic uh view and i think that's really sad one of the things that i did in a past life was i worked for the all-party group on combating anti-semitism and i think i'm the only non-jewish person to have worked for them but of course john mann is the chair and he was when i worked for them so i've taken an interest in this over some time and one of the things i tried to do is provide jeremy Corbyn. i wrote him a letter recently with some really practical things that yep. he could do if he wants this issue to go away and it requires his leadership so the first was tell livingston to get out and he ain't coming back secondly was to give the compliance units the resources that they need you know the party has gone up by three times it's clearly gonna have more work to do um, and there are a number of these issues and the fact that you know the take the mark was, was case that was at the launch of the chakrabarty report in what june july 2016 and we're now in april 2018 and that's not been dealt with that is not acceptable thirdly have a special meeting of the nec to deal with this issue to re-adopt the international holocaust remembrance alliance's definition of anti-semitism and be categorical that anti that holocaust denial is not welcome in the labor party and i think that means ken loach needs to be given a bike <laughs> bye um Fourth, that Jeremy Corbyn, this is some words that Jeremy Corbyn needs to do. To a Jewish audience, in my opinion, he should speak directly to his supporters and, and, and point out and police the line between anti-Zionism and anti-Semitism. Because it is totally legitimate to be against the state of Israel, even existing, let alone its policies, and not be anti-Semitic. But too many people dance over that line. And he is one of the few people with the authority because of his commitment to the Palestinians that can make that speech and make those people listen. And he should also be clear again that Zio is that nasty epithet. I think there's things that you could do on social media to clear up the space. Like, rather than just generically say, this is horrid, he should say in particular, look, you know, you, this, this account is not welcome. You had a fantastic idea. I think it was one of your points here because you've actually come up with a 10-point plan. I mean, it, it's, some of it's, it, I think it's all really good. Um, one of them was to establish a Twitter and Facebook profile that singles out anti-Semitic supporters of the leadership. Yeah. Delete your tweet or delete your trib and you don't speak for me. It, it can be done. It can be done. Absolutely there's, be done. They've got five million pounds of short money. It can be done. There's half a million members who all pay their subs. Mm -hmm. we can, well, there is a problem with a specific form of racism. We can do it. They will listen. Um, we have a huge mandate that I hear um, that we're proud to have, that, we're, that we boast about all the time. But where is the huge responsibility that comes with this huge mandate? You, we have new technology. Mm. If Jeremy Corbyn would have been leader of the Labour Party 15 years ago, there would have been no dozen Facebook groups yep. which, which worship him, mm. with tens and tens of thousands of people in, with people moderating those forums who, to, 20, to an audience of 20,000 who post anti-Semitic things. I mean, I, I've been in those Facebook forums, and they're absolutely horrific. I mean, there is one form of racism in them, pretty much one. It's anti-Semitism. And not all of them. Some of them are the main one that the Labour Party Forum with 40,000 members is properly moderated. But some of the some of the others, it's just absolutely horrific what's going on in there. And I mean, I, could, I, I can list about seven or eight of them now. 
that, that are the main ones, they've got 19,000 people. And this isn't just some crank corner of the internet with a couple of, cra- you know, with, with um, I don't know, a couple of hundred people mm. with some warped ideas. These have 20,000 people in them. How difficult would it be to say, take my name off that Facebook forum. You do not speak for me. Taking two minutes, literally. And and it's got to be possible that happens. Like I think we've gone through some really serious issues here. We've tried to look at where does this come from? Why is it happening? Why is it an issue in the Labour Party? To show that it is persisting and rearing its ugly head in so many different forms. It's been great to have you, Marlon, on the show and to talk through. And I think to, you know, Steph has done a lot of campaigning on this through her time in the student movement in particular. And I think our conversation has hopefully been enlightening to other people that we come at this for real heartfelt reasons that the issues that are rearing their ugly head are true and real and can be sorted and there needs to be the political will to do it that we want to be part of the solution and not the problem but that if people don't wake up to this we are part of the problem and the danger is that this is going through so many levels that if you're not part of the solution you are part of the problem so we've all got to start being part of the solution Marlon thank you for joining us it was an absolute pleasure thank you very much so finally every week connor asks his political pub quiz question connor's not here this week but stephanie what is the political pub quiz question this week who is labor's longest serving home secretary so send your answers to at connor pope uh, that'll upset his holiday or probably better at progress online you can email us at office at progressonline.org.uk and those who get it right win a progress mug. We're going to wrap up for today. It's been great to have Marlon Solomon joining us today. If you want to see his show at Progress Annual Conference, podcast listeners can get reduced rate ticket by going to prog.rs forward slash pack, P-A-C, 18 pod, P-O-D. So we're going to put that link in the show notes for people as well. We can do that. And by calling... <laughs> on uh, the office on 020-3435-9854. Please do send us your questions and comments, your thoughts and feedback from this week's show. Uh, it'll be, we'll do a follow-up show on Friday as usual and the best iTunes comment will get a prize. We need you to leave your iTunes comment, subscribe or rate, not just so you get this podcast straight to your phone, but so the people who are not listening now can hear the ideas that we debate on this and the discussion that the centre-left is having on the future of our country. Thank you very much. You've been listening to the Progressive Britain podcast. The music was When in the West by Blue Dot Sessions, licensed under Creative Commons. And many thanks to the brilliant Caroline Crampton who produced this podcast. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.